I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is designed to entertain and inform. The views and opinions expressed by the guests participating in this podcast are solely their own based on their own experiences and do not represent the views and opinions of the hosts, Erios, Tradecraft Media, and or any distributor of this podcast. <sighs> okay, without getting too deep into it, <laughs> I think it still runs according to Eisner's mentality. Very top-down, hierarchical, you know, he famously once said to uh, someone we worked with that uh, we were monkeys in suits and could be easily replaced. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, he was a piece of work. I'm Amanda Lund. I'm Matt Gorley, and this is Keys to the Kingdom. A peek behind the curtain of the world's greatest theme parks from the people who have all the best stories. The characters. Now that we've heard from the princesses, it's time to move down to the rank and file, the rabble, the grunts. The fuzzies. So what exactly is a fuzzy? They are the theme park characters dressed head to toe in, well, fuzzy costumes. They're meant to look larger than life, revealing no trace of their humanness. Personally, I've never played one, but it turns out I married one. I told you that on our first date, and I think it's what sealed the deal, you sicko. (laughs) Yes, I had the honor of playing Rafiki, the esteemed monkey shaman from The Lion King, for one 30-minute set and never again. It was hot, and it was hard. Were you good at it? No. Were you bad? Maybe. But were you fuzzy? Yes, I was. Episode 2, The Good, The Bad, and The Fuzzy. And heads up, being a theme park fuzzy is a notoriously degrading job. We're talking humiliation, bad work conditions, and downright physical abuse. Let's start with a story of innocence. A story about the first day on the job. Before Scott Ackerman was a regular cast member of Mr. Show, or the host of the wildly successful Comedy Bang Bang podcast, or director of the Between Two Ferns series, he himself had to don the soft skin of a Disneyland fuzzy. Never say he didn't pay his dues. 
Hi, my name is Scott Ackerman, and I played Goofy and Br'er Bear and Captain Hook at Disneyland in the year of 1988. And I also worked at Knott's Berry Farm doing security in 1988. Oh my God. I I honestly got starstruck when you said Captain Hook. (laughs) For Captain Hook, not for me. What made you want to work at Disneyland? Uh, You know, I just really wanted to see behind the scenes and see what what everything was like back there, you know? Yeah. And then what did it live up to your expectations? Uh, I I mean, it's definitely interesting. Uh, (laughs) It it, it is one of the worst jobs I've ever had. (laughs) Oh, good. I had to do one of the walkabouts from Main Street to New Orleans Square. It's supposed to take you as long as it takes you to walk there, which shouldn't be shouldn't be that long. I mean, if you know where you're going. Unfortunately, I didn't know where I was going. So uh, I got lost. Who are you playing? I was Br'er Bear, super hot. This is the summer. This is summer of 88. I walked out of Main Street and I'm like, let's see, where's New Orleans Square? Now, I know where it is right now. I can picture it exactly the route that you're supposed to take. But uh, for whatever reason, having my vision impaired and only looking out this like sort of serrated neck, I was just like, where am I? And (laughs) I got so lost and I was out there for at least an hour and a half. What? Oh, my God. And I remember being by It's a Small World and people going, prepare, come take a picture. Oh, no. Me going, and you're not allowed to talk or anything like that. You're not allowed to say, like, get help or anything. If you, if you talk, you're fired, right? So me just kind of like nodding and trying to move on and me and and knowing that I've been out there for so long and I'm I'm just drenched in sweat. And then suddenly at a certain point, someone grabs my hand and says, Br'er Bear, there you are. And I guess they've been searching for me. I was wondering, like, at what point do you go missing? You know, where they (laughs) have to send out a search party. I think probably after 45 minutes, they were like, oh, he he never showed up at New Orleans Square. Where is he? And then they looked for a little while, and then they just found me out there. so far away from where I should have been. And they they led me out there, and they were like, are you all right? And I was like, no. I think they were like, okay, you don't have to do your next little, you know, 25-minute. Thank you so much. And here's more on the perils of trying to earn a living from inside what's essentially just a carpeted sensory deprivation chamber. This is Jeff Davis, whom you'd know from TV's Whose Line Is It Anyway? Hello, everybody. I'm Jeff B. Davis, and uh, once upon a time, I worked at Universal Studios as Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. And at Disneyland, I was either a cowboy, an improviser, or a lot of the times in drag. It was sometime in the very early 90s. I'm bad with dates. Maybe I've pushed a lot of this away. Tell me about playing Big Harry. I called that job $10 an hour the hard way. I don't know how familiarized uh, you are with Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, but he's an enormous Sasquatch. And I'm a thin fella. So to round out the suit, first you put on lycra pants that have thigh and calf muscles on it. It's so the foam doesn't breathe at all. It's like football padding, basically. It's like costume foam. So it's like black lycra with big, beefy legs and muscular uh, calves and a butt. Because <laughs> Harry's got a butt. Then there was arm muscles, and so that was another layer. And then over all of that went the bodysuit, which was all foam. You would clip into that thing, and so now it's it's hot, even with the air conditioning blasting in, in the costume trailer. Oh, I left out uh, an important piece here. Over the whole thing is a giant jumpsuit made of 100% yak fur. <laughs> you could really go to the Arctic Circle in this outfit. Yeah, so that, then... 
you snap on the gloves so that your hands can rotate. It's not all one piece. But you have to have surgical gloves underneath it because if you put your hands at your side, the costume is so hot in the California sun that if you forget to do that and then you wave, a gallon of sweat will pour out on the child next to you. <laughs> and so then you get a, uh, the mask and then you get the feet, which are giant high, like metal high heels under, you know, these giant Bigfoot, but it also gives you like another five inches of height. And so you get, you got Bigfoot feet. And then it was, uh, they take you out there and you do photographs. And uh, I don't know how many of you have spent the summertime, the, the San Fernando Valley, uh, in that outfit. Um, <laughs> it was hot in shorts and t-shirt there. For safety, it was a half hour on, half hour off. I was told that that, that was industry standard, but I'm looking around at the dude playing Wolfman. He's just wearing a suit and a Wolfman. <laughs> Doing a tight 10. It was so, so very, very hot. You would hang up your whole suit in front of a giant industrial fan and drink as much Powerade as you could possibly get inside you <laughs> and never pee all day long because you were just losing so much sweat. When we put the call out to theme park fuzzies, they came crawling out of the castle moat, ready to dish. Rafiki, Goofy, Pluto, Buzz, that's all great. But what about the big cheese of Disneyland himself? We had to search far and wide, but finally found two women willing to go on the record with their time playing not only Mickey Mouse, but Minnie Mouse as well. What a get. I'm sure you can appreciate the risk that they're taking, and so therefore they will be speaking to us anonymously. And with voice alterations. We'll call them White Glove 1 and White Glove 2. I came up with those. <laughs> and they're slightly panned to the stereo left and right so that you can tell them apart. White Glove 1. White Glove 2, please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm White Glove 1. I played Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Pinocchio, Coda once, Stitch once on accident, Chipmunks until they pulled me from 2008 to 2011. Hi, I'm White Glove 2. I did Mickey, Minnie, Chipmunks, Max, Stitch, Pinocchio, Jesse. Okay, let's start with the big question. You guys played Mickey's and Minnie's, the flagship characters of Disneyland. What was it like to have such responsibility on your shoulders? Well, you know, during training, they kept reiterating that we were iconic characters. Um, I think White Glove 2 would recall that um, they really wanted to hammer home that you were representing the brand as this iconic character. Once you were on set performing, that kind of went away. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. It was interesting because, yeah, they, during training, they made everything seem like you are the one, you are the one. And then when you show up to work and you see a bunch of others who are supposedly the one and you're like, all right, this one is clearly just like clocking in and clocking out. I'm giving my all out here. Sadly, even the chosen ones like Mickey and Minnie aren't always safe from guest mistreatment. From what we heard from our sources, it seems like a regular workplace hazard. I will say, as Minnie Mouse, we got a lot of creepy dudes. I was walking my line once, and this old man, he says, I'm like, you have really sexy legs, Minnie. And I was like, what? Oh. 
we have extended vision in some sense, right? And like kind of a sixth sense as to what's going on behind us at some point. Mm-hmm. But like we can't really see anything below our chins or our, our jaws. So with Minnie Mouse, I can't tell you how many times you would pose with a man and then you would see that picture on the camera and it would be him like pretending to honk your boobs. And it's Minnie Mouse. And it's Minnie Mouse. And it's like, cool, do you feel like a man now? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think in their mind they're groping the person underneath or they're groping Minnie Mouse? Oh, God. I think they think that they're doing something edgy to a kid's character. Mm. Okay. So they're like, oh, isn't that funny? Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe the, maybe another version would be like taking a picture with Mickey and grabbing their junk. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, do you not understand personal space? No, they don't. It's so wild. Let's go back to Jeff Davis for another story about some mouse abuse. There was one Mickey and uh, some hooligans uh, picked her up and threw her over the moat into that little shallow moat around Sleeping Beauty's castle. They threw her in the water? Threw her in the water. And the head starts to fill up. And it's not very deep, but also the water in Disneyland is uh, scary. Like, it, it's, it's, there's rumors of leeches and serpent <laughs> gods. <laughs> but... So she's starting to drown. You can't swim in that thing. So she takes her her Mickey head off and scrambles up the bank and runs off stage. Yeah. And she was either fired or heavily reprimanded for that, for breaking character. And I, I believe the advice they gave her was like, well, she said, what, what should I have done? She said, you should have swam underwater until you were off stage. <laughs> she told me that. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get worse, it can still get worse. I'm sorry to say there's more. Yes, and these stories from the trenches can leave their scars. White Glove 1, White Glove 2. Raise your hand if you're permanently disabled from working at Disneyland. (laughs) Why? What happened? I mean, like, everything. I've just been, like, injured too many times to count. They were just like, why do you keep going to physical therapy? And I was like, I don't know, I'm broken. The state of California had to, like, evaluate me, and they found me, like, 4% total body disabled, like I'm not supposed to lift certain things or do certain motions. I've gotten a lot better, thankfully, um, because they did tell me I would need like shoulder surgery. And is this directly from doing the character work? Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of that. Like I had lower back problems and I've always been envious of the people that worked there and didn't have those issues. But yeah, you know, some of them were like from getting sucker punched as Mickey by like an 18-year-old boy with his mom. I was walking through Mickey's house to go do my set at the door for sing in the morning. And I'm walking out and I pass by this like, I'm assuming he's 18. He could have been 15 for all I know. But he was sitting there with his mom and I wave. He's on my left and I turn my head to the right to start walking down towards like the library section of Mickey's house. And I just feel like a huge punch to the head, like right behind my ear. And I like stumbled and I was so in shock and I look back and he and his mom are laughing. And then I just go and do my set. You didn't just walk off set? I mean, I, I think White Glove 2 will corroborate this, that, um, you know, unless you're bleeding or dying, and I don't mean like you have your period because I didn't really respect that either, but <laughs> unless you're bleeding or dying, you had to go on set. If I had gone back downstairs and said, hey, this guy just sucker punched me, then they would be like, okay, do you want to go to the physical trainer? At some point, we started getting in trouble for going to the physical trainers for injuries. Because they thought you were abusing it. I think so. 
though. But it was like, do you not understand the, like, the demands, the physical demands of this job? It's a lot for how little pay it is. Wise observation, I know, but so far these jobs aren't sounding so great. I agree with you. But fuzzies have been known to fight back. At a certain point, you have to defend yourself. They can be fierce. If you ever come face to face with a fuzzy, remember they're just as scared of you as you are of them. That's why I always bring my pots and pans to Disneyland so I can clank them really loud or the fuzzies get out of hand. I come right into the gates macing them in the face. You're part of the problem. Back to White Glove 1 and White Glove 2. Parents would sometimes like to make their kids cut in line by just like pushing them towards the side of a line. And, you're, and you'd be like, oh, there's a line there, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, this dad kept doing it to his kid. I was Donald and he like pokes his head in to like my space and like gets under the head. And he's like, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It's funny because people don't think that we can't see. It's like, oh, you think I have these little eyes, but I see everything. I see everything. You see that clock across town square? I can see that from like a mile away. Yeah. We're watching everything happen at once. Well, I would imagine too that they also don't really see you as human. They forget that there's a person in there. Absolutely not. I mean, the frequent saying was that guests check their brains at the gate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, how many times, Michael like, too, you would know, how many times a, you know, a family comes up and then the parents are like, go up and kick Mickey. Okay, now go, okay, now go up and grab Mickey's nose. Okay, go up and kick him. Or like to their little girls, like, okay, post sexy to a toddler. Maybe sometimes, you know, as I'm like turning my head, I kind of whip my head a little fast and maybe my ear kind of hits somebody. Accidentally, I don't know. Maybe did I do that on purpose? Maybe a little bit. You know, you're like, oh, you're like, oh, okay. And you're like, like, sorry, I accidentally stick my foot out. Oh, I'm sorry. But it doesn't stop there. Here's Scott Ackerman again with a fistful of revenge. I remember one really shitty kid following me as the big bad wolf for a while. And I I was over by It's a Small World, I recall, and just trying to get through the day and being like, come on, man, you know, and this kid, you know, taunting me and saying really mean things. And I remember um, the glove had four fingers. And I think the the middle finger must have been in the pointer finger or something like that. And I basically was like flipping him off. But it (laughs) but it looked like I was pointing to anyone else. And he was like, you're flipping me off. (laughs) I can see. I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell. And I was just like waving at him while flipping him off. And fighting fire with fire. Here's Jeff Davis again. You know, sometimes businessmen will come up to you and blow smoke in your face. And, you know, and but the thing is, I'm eight feet tall in this costume and they can see my eyes. And Harry is a mute character. You don't talk as Harry. He's just a big physical baby. And uh, they, they teach you some good body language about how to deal with people, but in a fun, hairy way. But I, I, I would just shove people into a bush. But if like frat boys wanted to wanted to harass me, they don't know how little I am inside this suit. I feel like like a, like a superhero. But I would just put my hand on a, on the shoulder of a frat boy or taking a picture, and I would just make eye contact with him, you know, from six inches above him. And they would go, "Oh, there's a dude in there." <laughs> and I would just gently and then firmly press down on his shoulder. <laughs> One day, I got called in to, to possibly be the new Frankenstein. And I was like, oh my God, please. Frankenstein got paid more? This is awesome because nobody effed with the Frankenstein. <laughs> One time, some little kid came up to me, like some little precocious little runt, and uh, came up to me and like, he didn't kick me, but he was kind of, he was, he was just messing with me. And like, he was being a little, little ding dong. And uh, I grabbed his shoulder and just squeezed. <laughs> Jesus. And he goes, no, no, no. I go, 
Who's gonna believe you? And the kid ran off. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, if physical and emotional abuse weren't enough, fuzzies must make their way through the workday while existing near the bottom of a workplace hierarchy. From character host to Agva. AGVA stands for the American Guild of Variety Artists, and it's the union that handles certain professional performers at Disneyland. Let's talk to an insider fuzzy who knows all about this. To protect his identity and job security, he chose to remain anonymous, so we'll call him Space Ranger. Space Ranger, tell us about yourself. I worked at the Disneyland Resort for 10 years, starting in 2006. Who I played, oh boy, um, Pluto, Buzz Lightyear. Eeyore, Kenai. Who's Kenai? It's <laughs> from a 2003 Disney animated feature, Brother Bear. Rafiki, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Clara Cluck. Who's Clara Cluck? She is from the old school Mickey Shorts. Oh. She's a chicken. Okay. That sings opera. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Would you break down the hierarchy for us? I, I described it to one of my cousins one time of it's like very high school. There's the character hosts. Actually, I don't know. What would the character hosts be in a high school? They're like the bottom rung. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically, color guard. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like, oh, you went to a performing audition and you didn't make the cut. But we have host auditions in two days. You should come to that. Oh, stage management. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then there's the characters, which um, are more like the nerdy, maybe more like color guard. Like they're the nerdy band kids, the theater kids. 
And then there's the princesses, which are like the popular kids, especially mm -hmm. the, the, the hot cheerleader girls, you know. And then there's the Advas, which is like, I don't even know what that would be in the school. But but that was definitely like, oh, those are like real actors making twice as much money as us. You so know like, what they are? They're the students that have gone on to college. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking as a former Agva myself. Yeah, so maybe the Agvas are like the cool teachers. Yeah. The, the hot teacher everybody has a crush on. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right. It does. That's exactly right. Because I think that's also you're probably describing the pay scale. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think hosts and characters made the same thing, but these characters definitely made more and I was made like double. At least. Yeah. And don't you guys forget it. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, I want to say, so you made how much when you first hired in in 2006? 725. So I'm not saying this in any way to brag, only to show the disparity uh -huh. of how unfair it all was. When I hired in in 2001 as an Agva, I think I made, I want to say like 21 or 23 dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I left, it was probably close to 30 or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Seems wrong. <laughs> it is wrong. How wrong is it? The white gloves can tell you. As show characters, we felt that we were held to a higher standard, getting 100%. And then I only get paid 50 cents more an hour to almost throw up every day. Because I'm doing choreography for like 35 minutes straight in direct sunlight. Doesn't really add up. Did you get 50 cents more an hour just because you were Mickey or Minnie? Is that what you meant? Well, anybody who performed in the shows got 50 cents extra. As opposed to just being an atmosphere walk around character. Yeah, it was kind of a slap to the face with the Mickey glove itself. It was like, <laughs> look at you. You can like come, you can dance around in front of the castle, but we're just going to give you like 50 cents. Oh, you can dance around wearing an extra 15 to 20 pounds of costume and make it look real and not dead. Here's an extra 50 cents. But also, we're going to need you to go say hi to everyone after your show. So also, make sure you don't throw up. There seems to be a hierarchy of the fuzzy characters, the face characters, and the Agva, and maybe in that order. Now, as a former Agva, I feel like I must apologize if I played any part in that. Thank I, you. I, I well, <laughs> I'll take it. But. They don't tell the Agvas <laughs> that this exists. You know, if you want to slam me right now, you can. But let's talk a little bit about how that impacted you guys. I mean, Agvas are great because you know when you had an Agva in your break room, you got all their perks. So mm -hmm. you're like, I'm gonna just like, oh, we got ace. Or we mm -hmm. got, I mean, that's like taking it drastically, but I was like, oh, we get a TV, you guys, because the Agva's in here. We get a show. Yeah, it was like the spillover of the, union, of the union benefits, like benefited the characters. Oh, yeah. So what was the worst case scenario if there was no Agva? What, what, what's the worst break room oh, you to endure? Nah. Oh, God. The looks on your faces right now. One of you, your mouth dropped open. One of you is holding your nose like it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my immediate thought, the in-between break room, oh God, where a certain Eeyore would leave parts of the sofa wet with sweat. And it was so small. It was small enough that there was truly one sofa against a wall and then a rack across from that for everybody to hang their costumes. And that was it. Of course it's Eeyore. Poor Eeyore. <laughs> but that break room, it would house like 50,000 characters too. So you're like, I think whenever I was there, I would break outside because I was like, I don't want to be in this like hot box of characters and sweat and everyone's like talking about what show they did. I'm like, oh, and you're like, all right, just... <laughs> 
Now, you guys are talking about noobs. We're probably talking about noobs. The noobs. So what was it like when you were a noob? Do you think people were talking about you guys this way? No. You came in. Um, no, I was quiet. Isn't that what every noob thinks? I was, no, quiet. I was quiet as fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, I it see. was very, I, I feel like the initiation into the park, if you want to be like not seen as an obnoxious noob, was like, you keep to yourself, uh, respect the hierarchy and your job. You know, don't make anybody's life harder. There's also so many personalities there that you're like, I don't oh, want to be, for my personality, I didn't want to put mine in. I was like, you know what? I love observing people. So I was like, I'm just going to watch the shit show from like full like surround sound. Because it was like, there's so much going on that I'm just going to like take it in and not, again, that's how I roll. You know, I don't just like walk in and add fire to the fire. I just kind of go, oh, okay, this room is crazy. I'm going to bring my book and my headphones for this set. <laughs> yeah. And then you go back and you try to relax and you're like, I can't because this one right here is talking and doesn't understand that you shouldn't be watching videos on like speaker when you're in like a group setting. What are you doing? Mm-mm. Go away. Sometimes, though, the struggle of the fuzzy is not the fault of external forces. Sometimes the fuzzy is just not up to the job. Amanda, I'm referring to you playing Rafiki. Excuse me? In what way was I not up to the job? My whole life had led me to that point. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. I did not do Rafiki justice. Let's go back to Space Ranger to hear more about playing this uh, venerable Lion King monkey. You have a tone. I know that Amanda had to be Rafiki for a day as part of her princess, how the other half lives training or what what is it? Well, when they hire you in as a princess, you do one day of what they call a character experience. And I think it's so you're not mean to the fuzzy characters. I did not do Rafiki justice. (laughs) And then I recently rewatched the opening scene of The Lion King. And I just was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I played Rafiki. What an honor. (laughs) I mean, he's a really important man. Man? Monkey man. (laughs) (laughs) You were never going to do this character justice. Uh, I like to humanize my characters. Fair. It was one of those characters that hardly ever got used, so I didn't do it a lot. Tell us about a time you did. So I was doing Atmosphere set, which is basically like roam around, do what you want. And um, I forgot a Chen Strap, which isn't always necessary. Like a character like Pluto, it's all tucked in. The head's not going anywhere. But Rafiki, it's all very top heavy and it just cuts off at your neck, basically. Um, and I forgot a Chen Strap and I was like, eh, whatever, I'll get on the next set. Um, I went to Tarzan's Treehouse and they have uh, rope climbing situations there. And I thought, you know, what if I climb this rope right now (laughs) in gloves? Like, that's a great idea, right? Um, And I grabbed it and the the tip of his nose hit the rope and it just pushed the head up and over and plopped on the floor. It was humiliating. (laughs) Could you approximate the expression on your face when the head came off? Blank face, white as a sheet, with a sweaty skull cap on, like a surgeon wears. (laughs) That makes it worse, too. It's like, oh, there's a sweaty guy in there. That's not Rafiki. Is that the worst nightmare for a fuzzy character? It is the worst nightmare. In fact, I was humiliated to where 
I almost didn't even tell anybody that it happened when I got back to the break room because he's such a like small character. You're kind of just out on your own. You don't have a host or anyone to attend you or take care of you. That reminds me of the worst thing that can happen as a princess. One time I had the time wrong or they got the time wrong, but it was probably me. I just walked out and I walked right up and there was another Cinderella and people just started yelling and trying to grab a picture because Mm. to certain Disney fans, like that's the dream. Right. Meaning like they caught two Bigfoots in the wild. Yes. yes. And I just remember being horrified to the point I couldn't even laugh about it. I think I just turned away and ran, sprinted back to the break room and then felt shame. Yeah, shame. So let's wrap this up. No one today has really presented an appealing vision of the theme park fuzzy experience. Really? What do you mean? (laughs) I refer you back to every second of this episode. (laughs) So we were a little surprised when we asked them for their final impressions. Here's Scott Ackerman one last time. Look, I still love Disneyland. I still love going there. I think I'm still fascinated by the history of it and Walt Disney building it and living in that apartment above Main Street and, you know, all the stuff about it I really I really like. You could almost say like, oh, did this turn me off of Disneyland forever because it was such an unpleasant experience working there? And it, it weirdly didn't um, because it does make people happy. That was the most fun part of the job is going out there and making people happy and kids wandering away going like, oh, I got Goofy's autograph, you know, and you feeling like, oh, wow, I, I put a little magic into their lives. At the time, I wish they would have treated their their workers a little better, but I also was an 18-year-old kid who just wanted to goof off. So it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, they it wasn't like they had an incredibly heavy hand with me, but it didn't make me lose the love that I have for the place. As bad of an experience as I had, I still I still would go back tomorrow probably. But surely, Mickey and Minnie, through all of the trials and tribulations they laid out for us today, must feel different. White Glove 1, White Glove 2, knowing all you know, all the experiences you've had as Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, would you do it again? Yes, yeah. Really? A 100%, yes. There's all the people that you meet. Like, you know, I know White Glove 1 for so long, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of my close friends are still, you know, were cast members, did this, you know, did the same shifts as me. It really becomes, like, a really huge family. Like, a, you know, like a dysfunctional family. Like, you guys go through a lot together. You go through the heat. You go through the guests. You go through management. You go through parking at Angel Stadium. You just go through so much, and there are just so many skills that I learned from working there that it's just you can't you wouldn't be able to pick them up anywhere else. Yeah, it was a special experience, bad and good. I got that job because I graduated when the economy collapsed and needed a job, and that was the only full-time job I could get. And I do think that I grew up in a sense there. And it was the first time that I met other people who were like me. Same height. <laughs> Same height, yeah. Where it was like, it was the first time I was considered tall. I was like, oh my God, I'm looking right into your eyes instead of like looking up at you. Exactly. I made incredible friends. I wouldn't change it to this day that I consider that one of my more fulfilling jobs. 100%. I think that one of the reasons theme parks don't have to treat their character performers well is because a lot of the people who work there are also fans. Who would, let's be honest, pay them to work there? Yes, that's true in most cases, but not all theme park employees are perfect little angels. Next episode, 
breaking the rules. Go behind the scenes of Keys to the Kingdom with eight full-length bonus companion episodes featuring numerous extended and never-before-heard interviews as well as loads of hot theme park gossip. Plus, get all regular Keys to the Kingdom episodes ad-free as they release. Simply click the link in the show description. Keys to the Kingdom was created, written, produced, edited, and hosted by Amanda Lund and Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Erios, Matt Gorley, and Amanda Lund. Mixed and mastered by Brett Morris. Associate produced by Alex Paul. Sound design and artwork by Matt Gorley. Production coordination by Alex Paul and Crystal Dinsberg. Special thanks to Veronica Taylor, Tim Ruggieri, Tatiana Matias at Acast, and Martha Little, Amor Yates, and Nicholas Sotomayor at Audible. If you have a story about working at a theme park, email us at themeparkhotline at gmail.com and we might use it for a future episode or season. Keys to the Kingdom is an Erios production in conjunction with Tradecraft Media. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.